Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long in August, we are talking about art and creativity. And this Artistic August series is about you know, learning a little bit more about what each one of us has within us that might be a little hidden, or maybe you just want to take more time to enjoy it. And my guest today has, he has some, uh, some background that's going to be pretty intriguing. I think he's got the artistic part of, uh, of this theme down. So Sylvester Boyd has a passion for history, though, and geography. And when I tell you the rest of his bio, you're going to say, wow, he's got some depth here. Now, he's been interviewed by radio and TV programs all across the U.S., Great Britain, and many other countries. And he's covered a lot of issues related to something that we've been really facing as a nation and frankly as a world, and that's race relations, perseverance, disparities in education and current events. And he has a really lasered focus on the truth. And that's something that we all know we need. He helps, uh, make, he helps us to make connections though with history of events that might be happening today, but really how they relate to things that happened in the past. And by doing this, and in fact, using his, only fam his own family stories, he's helped show how generations have changed because of these experiences. In fact, he's written a series that he's just released a third book in, and it's called The Road from Money. And that's just not money with uh, you know dollar bill signs. So he's gonna talk to us a little bit about that. But his goal with these books is help teach and uplift readers while also pointing out injustice and racism. So I think he's going to be able to help us, uh, you know, really remember that the issues that we face didn't just happen overnight. We've got something that we've got to make sure that we're always taking a look back on. But let me just give you some fun also about him in terms of his background. You know, he's got a, quite a big background. He is currently on several major TV series. So he's an actor. There we go. And he's done a lot of movies and with Academy Award winning actors such as Taraji P. Henson and Forrest Whitaker. I love Forrest Whitaker. And he's also been a background actor and appeared with lots of different uh, well-known folks. But let's just talk about a couple of his series. The Dilemma, Transformers, oh, Transformers 3, Empire, The Boss, now Chicago PD, MED, and uh, Fire, Shameless, Lovecraft Country, Fargo, oh, such a great show, and many, many others. So not only are we going to talk about his writing, we'll probably talk a lot about what he's doing for social injustice, and also probably maybe possibly get some good stories about his life in the acting world. So Sylvester, thank you so much for being my guest today. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, especially because I know you've been very, very busy lately. So before we started taping, you told me that you've been doing a lot of interviews, especially dealing with all the race relation issues and Black Lives Matters that, you know, has been such a focal point. So tell us a little bit more about you and what you do and, and how you really, uh, 
you know, kind of face, uh, embrace this, both this artistic side of you, but also this, this love of history and this passion for trying to make sure that we don't continue with some injustices that are still plaguing us as a people in a country today? Well, I uh, have a degree in both history and geography, so I went to school for it. And I majored in uh, a lot of the things that are really apropos right now to be talking about. Uh, one of my uh, areas is military history. Another one was African-American history. Mm -hmm. I also studied a lot of uh, uh, Spanish history. So uh, I'm not only, I know as much about uh, Spanish history as I do African-American history. I, th mm -hmm. I think uh, some of the problems that we have right now is that we are not taught accurate history, uh, history as, uh, as I read it from the books, uh, it, it doesn't jive with what I learned in high school, let's put it that way. And mm -hmm. once I got into college and got deep into history, I learned a lot of things that I thought were true, weren't true. I learned a lot of things were omitted. I think a lot of things were totally falsehood. So all those, you know, for example, we talked about just a common one is Columbus discovered America. The truth is there were Indians waiting on shore. Matter of fact, I don't think he made it to the uh, tip of Florida. So he landed in the Caribbean. So he was off course all the way. Uh, so now we got a whole, generations upon generations that believe Columbus discovered America. Uh, and when you say he didn't, then uh, some people get riled up and say, well, you know, this is our history. No, it's not. That's false. It was, as a matter of fact, the uh, Indians in the in, in in South America, did trading across the ocean years before with, with uh, African Americans from that continent. So that's the real history. But wow. we get this false narrative, and 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 I'm pretty frank. I'm pretty you know I try to be accurate with what I read, and I read a lot, believe me. And uh, we seem to tend to make Europeans or, or Caucasians or white people. Our history tends to make them build up and diminish everybody else. It, and that's purposeful. It's not accidental. That's the way it is. And so we have to start to look at real facts. Because the, if you don't look at real facts, falsehood will, will always lead you down the wrong path. Always. Mm -hmm. they, they have no ability to show you what is right. They, they show you what is false because that's a falsehood. So mm -hmm. that, that's part of our problem. And I think all secondary schools should have a course. History should be a requirement. Just like we talk about computer science and coding and all of the other things. We may, I may never need to code, but I have to live with my fellow humans on the yeah. planet. So history and what where people come from and why they are, the custom, the traditions, all those things should be discussed. And why are we the way we are? Because yeah. once you start to go into history, you'll find that uh, you, you may be shocked at, at what it really is and versus what you think it is. Yeah, that is so true. And I, you know, I, I remember, and it was, I don't know, maybe only a year ago, the first time that I ever heard about Black Wall Street and this massacre in Tulsa. I've never, I had never known that. And, you know, I remember just being absolutely floored that how could something so, incredibly horrible and significant in terms of uh, impact in the world have gone without ever being discussed. And, you know, I, it, it really is, 
it, it's a it's good for us to question. It's good for us to question what you know what we're taught or what we're learning because you know you always heard you know history is written by the victors, and it's almost you know like people will use that line to say okay well then that just means it's okay because that's just the way it is. But it's not okay to have history only written from one perspective if it's not an accurate perspective. Yeah, well, you know, here, here again, uh, Black Wall Street, of course, you say you just learned about it. I learned about it approximately 50 years ago in a history class. So, so wow. I've been aware of it quite a bit longer. Uh, and that's the, that's the problem right there that we don't know. We don't know. And people are not guilty because they don't know. They just don't know. And if they're not taught right, then they cannot act right. It's just mm -hmm. that simple. You have to be taught in order to do a thing. If I'm not taught to, to drive a car, I won't be able to drive a car. But that's Correct. Simple. And I think an educational system, I've been a part of it, I've been a teacher. So I know we're not giving our kids uh, the right education. And here's another thing that I always bring to the fore. To teach, to, to omit or diminish black or brown or Native American history, you have to diminish white history because the facts are the facts. History will always be true. It is true. If I do something today, I did it. Now, whether I tell you I did it or whether I tell a tale about whether I did it or not, it is still mm -hmm. I did a certain thing. Discovered, uh, like you said, Columbus didn't discover America. That's a fact. Now, whether we want to get around to it or we want to make a certain groups of people go, yeah, well, that's the way we were taught. No, it's, it's facts. And we have to learn to deal with facts. Uh, and that tosser was just one of many Look up the year 1919 in our history and see what happened across America in the year 1919. I'm not talking about slavery. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about 1919, the beginning of the 20th century. As a matter of fact, my book mm -hmm. begins right at the beginning. Yes. I was just going to say, this has got to be related to your book. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm eager to learn more. And, and, and here again, an educated person not only knows their history, they know the history of others, the culture of others. I've been fortunate, I've been in the trail of the world. And I, because I have a historical background and a geographical background, I'm able to go there and I can look at the architecture, the custom, the language pattern, the, how people speak fanatically. All those things come into it because I did study history. I do know what happened in Mexico. You know, I do, I do know the capitals of, of, of world places. And our kids, we just don't know that. We were, mm. we're not taught. And so because we're not taught, we, we're on a myth to make certain groups feel good. That's all right. You make a group feel good. That don't mean it's the best thing for that group. We lose a lot. Here's another thing. I think that you don't know what you lose. Supposing somebody that was a slave and because they weren't allowed to get an education, would have been the person that would have cured your great grandfather of cancer. You don't mm -hmm. know if it's right. unknown. Right. So they, they, you hold your country back. Uh, minorities are a big part of the country, coming up to be the majority of the country. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that, I think, is the field. That is where we are. That is well, why we don't, we don't, a democracy without a vote is not a democracy. Once you lose the vote and you don't let people vote, You've lost your democracy at that point. We, they don't do a lot of voting in communist China. They don't yeah. do a lot of voting in, in Russia. And we say, well, communism is bad. But we're edging toward that very peak of mm -hmm. you're talking about the vote, the hallmark of our democracy. 
So those mm-hmm. kinds of things, we really got to take a real good, do we want to be like Russia? Maybe we do. Those are the decisions you're making right now. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> well, I, I hope not too. But uh, those, are the, those are the things that, you know, we, we had an inter- insurrection in, in, our, in our government. Yep. Yeah. That, I mean, those things are hit, hitting you to a place that I've never seen. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, and we have to look at us as a people. Where do we want to end up as a people? That's uh, true. A- once you de- destroy the democracy, then the Constitution is not worth the patient is written on. The yeah. values and, and the system that you had before go out the window. And now you have a strongman type of government like you may have in Turkey or you might have in, in, in China or you might have in Russia or you might have in Venezuela. Those yeah. are places with strong man dictator type government, aristocracy. We yeah. want that and we're making a decision. And if you base it on race, we'll make the wrong decision. You have to make it on what's best for the country and what's yeah. best for America as we know it. Do All we want the Constitution? Are we going to tear it up and throw it in the back? So, yeah. I mean, I get on the soapbox. I'm a motivational. <laughs> I know, I, and I know you're, I mean, I, you're clearly passionate about it, which is, it's important. I, we have to be more passionate as a, as a society. If we're going to make change, we all have to have, better have some passion about it. And Sylvester, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. But when we get back, I really want to dive down because you, you started to tease a little bit of, of your series. And I want to, I want to ask you some more questions about it, because I think this will really aid in the dialogue we're already having. So we'll be right back. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon-quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 209-5611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 209-5611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. And we are back with Sylvester Boyd. And Sylvester, the reason I wanted to dive into this book is right before we started taping, you were talking about these series are really about based on your aunt and her, uh, did you say from Money, Mississippi? Is that where she was originally? Do you know anything about Money, Mississippi? I know nothing about Money, Mississippi, but I'm just so excited about her whole journey. So I want to know more about this story. All right. Well, I asked you that question for a particular purpose. Money, Mississippi was the town that Emmett Till, you can look it up historically, was killed in. Uh, he he uh, whistled at a white woman, or they, they said allegedly, a white woman, and he was killed and thrown in the Tallahassee River, which flows through money from Mississippi. That was the beginning of the American Civil Rights Movement. It happened in the year 1955. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was before Martin Luther King. That was before Rosa Parks. So my, I thought it was very interesting. My folks came from the town that started the civil rights movement in America. 
Wow. That's that's a real important connection to the history that I have. Yeah. Most other people don't have. The other thing I've been fortunate enough to do is live in all societies. I've lived in an all black situation, African American situation. I've lived in a mixed situation. My folks live close to Chinatown in Chicago. So mm-hmm. we went to school with a lot, a lot of my best friends are Asian. And then my folks moved uh, to Michigan. And uh, my stepfather built a house uh, week to week. And they moved in. They owned the house. They wanted to get ahead of, uh, of the system, they called it. So they built a house and they owned no, more, they owned no mortgage when they moved right. in. Uh, my stepfather built it with his own hands. My mother lived there till she died at the age of 89. They bought 40 acres of land. But we came from public housing. But she, my mother, was uh, insightful enough to know that she didn't want her children raised in some of the environments that the kids, the kids did. Even at that time, this is, I'm talking 1950. It was yeah. horrendous right now. My kids weren't raised in that environment either. But, you know, that was her insight to, to move her kids and to have them in an environment that she felt was conducive to their learning. So these, these are things that people have to do. They make adjustments to the society they live in. So my mm-hmm. folks didn't adjust to it. They couldn't live where they were, wanted to live in the city. And they we came out of public housing. But the, the, what developed from that, I'll give you a little example. I have, I have a nephew that speaks five languages. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a, another nephew who has a PhD in biochemistry. I have a, a brother that was a principal of a high school, a sister that was a principal of a high school. You have myself, I can go on with my family. That's the show that uh, people are doing the right thing and, and looking, we have to look, we always have to look. I always say the minorities have to look twice as far down the road to the majority. The majority can take certain things for advantage, uh, advantage. You know, they can say, oh, this is just the way it is. And they don't have to, that what they say is white privilege. It is a factor. I don't think if I'm in a, in a totally white suburb, when a police car pulls up behind me, I gotta, you know, just get a ticket or whatever it was. And good day, ma'am, or good officer, so on, and that's it. But you're paranoid if you're African American that, you know, here, and I think we need to do a whole lot with police, and that's another thing, that's another mm-hmm. issue that we really need to take a look at. And I think defund the police is the worst thing we could have ever said. It should have been restructure our police. Yes, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. But, you know, and I, you, you're, you say so many, you've hit so many points that are really incredibly valid. And, you know, it's, it's hard, I think, um, for me sometimes to figure out, you know, how do I, I can't ever have uh, the shared experience, you know, because I am white and I grew up in, I actually grew up in a, in a town that was a very uh, non, um, uh, it was very white. <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, I don't, just not very culturally uh, um, uh, integrated at all. I'm just kind of that part of the world. There just, you know, wasn't, I guess, for whatever reason. Um, but it's, it's interesting me in me to me now. The older that I am, the more places I've been in the world, the different places that I live. Living in Philadelphia now, 
that, you know, I want to be, um, as, as a white person, I want to be more aware. I want to be more conscientious. I want to have better conversations. I want to, I want to feel like I'm contributing to the positive interactions between our different, you know, skin colors, race, religion, whatever. But I, I, there's, I don't always know what to do, you know, or not, I guess I, I know what's not to do, but I don't always know what to do to make that better. And uh, I know that you're in, you know, I mean, you've, you've been very involved in a lot of aspects of this, you know, do you have any advice for someone like me who says, I, 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 you know, I have friends that are in a lot of different, you know, uh, come from a lot of different places in this world, but I, I don't know that I can ever understand what it's like to worry about being pulled over. I know I can never, you know, have that worry. I never, you know, have had to think about it being harder or looking that much farther down the road, but I'd like to believe that I'm continuing to be um, aware and conscientious as much as I can be. I just don't, I just don't know if it's enough. Is it enough for people like me to feel that way to start helping turn the tide? Well, I'm going to give you another point in my life. My wife of 42 years is white as you. <laughs> that gives you another inflection. So yes. uh, I know I've, I've culturally I've been able to live with everybody. Yeah. Uh, you said you went, you lived in my, my uh, wife's town, her hometown. Only I, was, I went to a graduation for her nephew. And we were, I was the only black person. So I've had that. I've also uh, been to a coming out party, or not a coming out party, but a confinetta for a 16 year old. Uh, when when uh, Spanish girls get 16, they have this big. Yes. And uh, I actually, you know, have been steeped into this. I have Mexican friends. It, it's the way you look at things. You can't change the world. I can't change the world. All I can do is, is give my, impart my knowledge that I know, and the world would have to adjust to it. If they see me, they'll adjust to it or whatever. The, each individual, this has to be an individual commitment. You cannot make a person change their heart or their way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, the other, but you can educate them. That's yeah. why I go back to education. Uh, most people do not know, you know, the reason for color. They just don't know. The reason is just climate. Climate. Exactly. One word, climate. That's it. If you go to the North Pole, you see a polar bear and he's white. Last time I did. Exactly. <laughs> and if you go to the rainforest or the jungle, you see a black bear, something darker. Yeah. And that's because a, a polar bear who has to depend on catching, catching seals, if he was black as a seal, he never would eat the seal. He'd be so, very hungry. <laughs> and, and, and that goes with the trees and everything else. You know, you yep. get mahoganies in the jungle. And if you go yep. to Canada, you get it's a cold country, so you get very light wood. So, I mean, in, in, in God's wisdom, he did everything right. It's man yeah. who scrambles things. And because it's advantageous to some people, race is a social concept of man. It has nothing to do with how smart you are. There's nothing, there's, there's people who are very intelligent in all races. There, there are people who can do certain things in all races that are they're very genius or right in it. So I think we have to back away from this, but it has been to advantage to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at why the, the thing, it's about money. It's about power. If, if I can take your labor and use it and I don't pay you anything, hey, I'm ahead in the ball game. That's all it's about. It's not about that, that, that you were superior to, to, to the person that gave the labor. It's about the, 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 you had the advantage 
militarily or the force of arms to do that. And I think we have done a lot, you know, getting we took a lot of subjects here, but we, you know, the guns and the violence, we're one of the most violent countries on earth. If you really want to look at it for what it is. And we're not the smartest country on earth. I've, I've traveled to countries that have uh, socialized medicine, but they, they don't have people sitting around, can't pay a hospital bill for a million dollars. Right, they exactly. go to school, but they don't have a, a student debt hanging over their head. Yeah. Denmark is a good example. You can just go to Canada. Yeah. And we and what we do is, is dip, uh, we vilify their government and say, oh, well, they got blah, blah, blah. But it's superior to what we have. And that's, all, that's the defensive mechanism that triggers you say, well, they got it in Canada. Yeah, but they got to sit around and wait. No, it's not as bad as you, as you think it is. You can well, go yeah. to the hospital if you're in England and get, <laughs> not worry about your medical bill. So well, I'll tell you so, what, it was interesting. Uh, my neighbor actually spent time in a hospital in, in England. And she said, do you know that every day they bring you tea? She said, they bring a cart with tea. It's the most civilized hospital ever. And I think you're right. I mean, you know, part of Part of keeping, uh, you know, cultures different, countries different, systems different is, you know, to make the other place, the other guy, the other country, uh, you know, to try and make it, uh, you know, tell things that make it not as attractive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but all that does is keep us from, uh, keep us more focused on, on, you know, why we should keep things the way they are rather than saying, but are we still happy with where we are? Because if we're not, then let's change it. I mean, that was, that was the reason that we, you know, have our government the way we do, the way it was intended, but I don't think that's the way we operate it. And it's unfortunate, but I think I'm hoping that, you know, that we continue to evolve, but then again, there's still people that believe the earth is flat. So <laughs> you've got- That's true, that's true. That's true. That goes back to education and knowledge. I mean, that's the key to the, that's the key to everything. But you have to, here's the thing that I always thought, a person has to want to change in order to change. Yes. Change is Absolutely. always difficult. And people, if you don't want to change or if you don't want to see a fact, you won't see a fact. You'll do yeah. everything to, to, to go away from that fact. But the Absolutely. facts stay the same. Uh, yeah. You know, and then you, we, we got, you know, the environment. I'm touching a lot of stuff, but the environment's the <laughs> thing. It's coming back to Ponchi, the forest fires, the droughts, all of those things that if you, we haven't taken care of the environment like the Native Americans, the Indians, they were in harmony with the universe. What we have now is, is we're a society that uses and loses. We use it, throw it away. That's yeah. what we got. We're consuming society. We're not in harmony with the land. So, I mean, and that will come back to harm. It already is. Yeah, We've absolutely. had some of the worst hurricane seasons ever. We've had the fires in the West of the United States that's worse than ever. We have floods worse than ever. Uh, water is drying up in certain spots, and that's going to be one of the biggest things that we're going to have too much water along the oceans. Yep, it's funny. And my husband and I were just talking about that last night about, you know, when are we going to start having water wars in the West, you know, because, I mean, just this morning on the news, I know we're taping this a little earlier before the air date, but, you know, the Hoover Dam has never been so low. You know, there's, there's challenges. Well, means, one of Las Vegas won't have water. <laughs> They'll still, but you can still gamble. Don't worry. You can still, you can still buy beer <laughs> or get a free one at the table. Um, Sylvester, I know we, we could talk about this forever. Um, and, but I want to get one last question in for you before we wrap up, because 
Um, I'd really like to know, you know, with these series of books and you talked, you told, like I said, you told me before we started taping that, you know, really the backbone of these stories is your aunt, uh, your aunt who went from money, Mississippi to becoming a millionaire. So kind of money to money. Um, but along the way, you're telling a lot of stories that deal with things like things that we'd seen, like you said, it's, you know, kind of the height of the dust bowl, you know, it's during, um, you know, the great depression it's, you know, so this, your stories cover a long period of time, but you're also trying to weave through, you know, understanding of social injustice and racism, but why was it important for you to tell this story in, in a series of books? You know, I guess kind of wrapping back to the artistic nature of, of the, the series is why was that something that called to you that you wanted to, you know, put out there in the world? Because I, I felt that for one, when she passed away, I felt that she deserved uh, the honor of the book. Uh, she, she raised me. She was my second mother. She didn't have any kids of her own. Uh, and it was important for me to put her story out there. But it's not, it's not just her story. It's the American story. It's, it's an African-American story. It's a story of, of people who struggle to be part of what they should have been a part of from the very beginning. Uh, we, as a country, are made up of many people. We're made up of many races. And we have never accepted the fact that we are all, as the Constitution says, we are all created equal with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But some people want to deny other people that right. Uh, if you take from me, you take from yourself at the same time. You cannot take from yourself if you take from me. And I think white America, will have to look at themselves in the mirror. I say racism will end the day that white America looks in its face in the mirror and say, why are we doing things that we're doing? Do unto others will clear this up. Do unto others that you have someone do it to you. You don't want to do something to someone else that you wouldn't want to have done to you. But we continually do that process because of greed, because of making my ego inflation not feel good because now I'm standing on top of other people. Yeah. You know, I would, if you gain the world and lose your soul, what have you done? Mm. And, and I'll tell you, the golden rule never fails. It never does. And that's, you can't go that's, wrong with that. The world springs out tomorrow if we could do it. We can't do it. Man is incapable. He can go to the moon, but he's incapable of doing this golden rule. Yeah. So far. So we still have hope. <laughs> got my fingers crossed that we, you know, that we change it. Uh, I think that in the future, the, the good thing, I think, uh, it's not all negative. Uh, the, the younger generation seem to be looking at things a little different perspective than somebody in their 40s and 50s and 60s. Amen. And yeah. uh, that, that's the sunshine that may come out. And, uh, Sylvester, and, and I think it's about us, you know, it's about conversations like this too, you know. Where we can where we can talk about things that um, aren't pretty, and we can talk about things that might be uncomfortable, but we talk about them, and that I think is critical. So I'm very thankful for the conversation with you, and I know we're going to have all your contact information on the show notes, including links to your books. But in case somebody wants to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find and connect with you? Go to Boyd Books, B O Y D B O O K S boydbooks.net boydbooks.net and you'll find Boyd 
you'll find my uh, bio, you'll find uh, the movies that I, you know, we didn't get deep into the movies, the arts, but uh, I've been steeped in the arts. I'm a, back, I'm a background actor, so I've acted with some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And uh, yes, you, you'll find all that if you go to boybook.net, you'll see the book, the covers of all the books, and you can see if you want to. Uh, if you would like to buy it, 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 all the information is right there, and the information about my background, which is is long. Uh, I'm 77, so uh, had, uh, you do not look 77. Yeah, most people tell me that too. But well, Sylvester, you're lying. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> 70, 78. Year, so. Oh my goodness. Well, you don't look at at all. So I appreciate. Uh, that uh, that you shared that little tidbit with us. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I do. Don't be afraid of change and take advantage of opportunities that come toward you because opportunity only lasts for a brief moment and it's fickle. It moves on to the next person if you're not ready. Ah, opportunity is fickle. What a great line. Sylvester, it's been a pleasure having you today and having such a deep and very important conversation. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. Why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.